Good afternoon and welcome to a special meeting uh, of Thursday, December 4th of the Board of Supervisors, Neighborhood Services and Safety Committee. Uh, my name is David Campos. I'm the chair of the committee. We are joined today by committee vice chair, Supervisor Eric Marr. Uh, and uh, we want to thank the clerk of the committee, Derek Evans, as well as the following members of SFGTV staff who are covering this meeting, uh, Jennifer Lowe and Jesse Larson. With that, uh, Mr. Clerk, do we have any announcements? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Please make sure to silence all cell phones and electronic devices. Completed speaker cards and copies of documents to be included in the file should be submitted to the clerk. Items acted upon today will appear on the December 16, 2014 Board of Supervisors agenda unless otherwise stated. Wonderful. Before we move on to the one item, I know that uh, committee member Supervisor Norman Yee is excused from this meeting. Can we have a motion to excuse him? So we have a motion without objection. Supervisor Yee is excused. Mr. Clerk, if you can please call uh, our one item. The item number one is an ordinance amending the health code by adding density, proximity, and sales establishment limitations on the granting of new tobacco sales permits and renumbering all sections in Article 19H, amending the business and tax regulations code by increasing the annual license and applications fees and making environmental findings. Great. Thank you very much. This is an item that has been introduced by Supervisor Marr and is co-sponsored by Supervisor Kim and Wiener. And we want to thank Supervisor Marr for his leadership. And I know that we have a number of uh, young people and community members who are here. Uh, thank you for being here. Welcome to, to the board chambers, to City Hall. So with that, I'll turn it over to Supervisor Marr. Supervisor Marr. Thank you. I, I really appreciate Chair Campos for being here today um, and for adjusting the schedule as an example of the, the Youth Commission's leadership to urge us to give a stronger voice and uh, respect to young leaders from the Youth Commission and the, our communities as well. So I really appreciate uh, Chair Campos, but especially the young people's advocacy and organizing. Um, this is a really exciting day I'm here with amazing leaders that are about the future of our communities, healthier communities, um, stronger communities with younger people with a stronger voice in City Hall. This is, I call it the Tobacco License Reduction Act. Um, there's other names for it, but that's the easy way for me to remember this. And it's legislation that's come about from, I think Karen Licavoli from the Tobacco Free Coalition and I were just discussing this since 2008. But it's really um, the result and the sweat and blood from youth organizing. And I'm just going to stand right now and just honor the amazing young people from the Tobacco Use Reduction Force, whether they were working from City College, San Francisco State, or the high schools that you came from, um, supported by Youth Leadership Institute or the Vietnamese Youth Development Center. But you're such a great example of creating policy from the bottom up and educating us, all of us, to make our communities healthier and better. So I'm just standing up to give you tremendous props as we introduce this legislation today. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Campos. So this policy, I think, is an example of the tireless focus, leadership, research, and commitment to the city's public health by the young people and the Tobacco Free Coalition as well. Without their efforts, we wouldn't be here today. This initiative and this act will set San Francisco as the city with the strongest comprehensive effort to limit tobacco licenses in our communities. There's about a 1,000 right now, according to the research, and this is a 
reasonable way to limit them over time so that we protect the health of our communities. In San Francisco, low-income areas, especially communities of color and communities with a large number of young people, have a disproportionate concentration of tobacco permits compared to other neighborhoods. For example, in District 6, Jane Kim's district, which includes the Tenderloin and South of Market neighborhoods, there's approximately 270 permits or stores that are selling cigarettes and other um, types of um, products, and that was in 2011, compared to only 37, for example, in the inner sunset area of District 7 in Norman Yee's district, um, or only 51 in the marina area of San Francisco in Supervisor Farrell's district. This effort will help address um, this disparity by protecting young people um, and um, preventing the sales of cigarettes and tobacco products around schools, but also protecting vulnerable communities by not allowing the number of permits to rise above a certain level and gradually reducing these permits. I also wanted to say that this Tobacco License Reduction Act is a part of our broader efforts, so the coalition from the young people um, from the Tobacco Free Coalition and others. It's part of our broader community public health approach that is creating healthier SF retail, corner stores that sell healthy products, and really are doing away with um, and limiting and ending the sales of junk food, um, Cokes, and smokes as well. So I feel like this is a really uh, positive effort to create healthier options and to limit the harmful ones as well. Also, when we looked at the equity, and I know that we'll have speakers that will show um, some of these inequities and why this is an equitable way and protecting vulnerable communities and youth, but we'll look at um, maps of San Francisco and where the tobacco licenses are and where the sales are, especially around low-income communities and um, where young people have access as well. Our Department of Public Health staff, and I wanted to thank them, they're amazing and great, so great to work with, but they're, they're leading the country in many ways in showing um, what cities can do. But our Department of Public Health staff, they emphasize that tobacco use is the leading cause of preventable death in San Francisco and throughout the country. I'll repeat that again. Tobacco use and smoking is the leading cause of preventable death in our city and our country. We spend in San Francisco nearly $400 million a year on the costs related to tobacco and tobacco addiction as well. That's about $625 per San Francisco resident, $625 per person based on the addictions to smoking um, and the hooking of young people in some ways to addictions um, like smoking. The Youth Leadership Institute did a great survey over the past few years a uh, 2014 survey, though, of San Francisco residents showed that nearly 84% of respondents support policies like this one that reduce the concentration of tobacco retailers and tobacco sales. Nationally, and researchers from Stanford and UCSF, Dr. Henriksen from Stanford, Dr. McDaniel from UCSF, will emphasize in a moment that the greater the exposure to tobacco outlets or stores that sell tobacco, the more likely a neighborhood is at risk for tobacco-related death and disease and those costs related to it, specifically low-income communities. But I'll just emphasize again, there's a racial justice component to this because it's largely people of color that are impacted and immigrant communities as well. So the researchers from Stanford and UCSF will emphasize that higher exposure to tobacco density 
or these stores clustered together sometimes in low-income neighborhoods also results in youth increasing smoking rates as well. So I think we'll hear lots of um, research and relevant research as well. Um, our, our tobacco uh, tobacco license reduction act will over time through attrition reduce the number of tobacco licenses throughout San Francisco. Um, we estimate that it, over 10 to 15 years will reduce the number of licenses in half. And I think that's an amazing accomplishment if we can do that with this legislation. Um, it does this by creating a cap of 45 licenses per district, and that's based on the data that we, we will see in a moment. In addition, any new permits must be located at least 500 feet away from a school. So I think that's a really important one in protecting young people and students from being addicted to smoking and all the marketing and targeting of young people by the various e-cigarette companies and tobacco companies as well. Also, um, this act also um, limits these licenses 500 feet away from an existing tobacco retailer, so it's preventing clustering of the types of tobacco sales as well in communities. Also, no new permits to any restaurant or bar and no new permits in any new location. It also includes key provisions that will protect the business owners by preserving the value of their stores and allowing them to sell their businesses without being adversely impacted by these new regulations. I wanted to thank the Arab American Grocers Association, Miriam Zazunis and Kamel and others for really giving us a lot of input into this legislation to make it sensitive to our small businesses as well. Um, this act was crafted in coordination with the Tobacco-Free Coalition that's led so many of our efforts over the years. Um, in addition to stakeholder groups, as I mentioned, like the Arab American Grocers Association, our Department of Public Health, and many community advocates. This tobacco license reduction ordinance is part of a coordinated effort that includes Healthy Retail SF that addresses health equity, supports small independent businesses, and strengthens our community. I'd also like to thank co-sponsors uh, Supervisor Jane Kim from District 6, Supervisor Scott Weiner from District 8, and our former president, David Chu from District 3 as well for co-sponsoring. But especially um, thanking um, Patricia Barahona from Youth Leadership Institute. Avni Desai is here as well, um, who worked on this really with young people, empowering them as well from the Youth Leadership Institute, and the youth leaders that I've mentioned earlier from the Tobacco Use Reduction Force. A number of them will speak in a moment. Um, I wanted to spe specify the Arab American grocers leaders, not only Miriam Zazunis and Kamal Karaha, but also Shahib Kayla and for giving us such great input, and Nick Pagalatos from my staff as well for from corralling everything together and really crafting with our city attorney, Alita Van Runkel, um, this important piece of legislation. And lastly, from our Department of Public Health, the amazing visionary leadership of Susanna Hennessy-Lavery and Derek Smith as well. I wanted to just wrap up before turning it back over to Supervisor Campos to say that this Tobacco License Reduction Act um, will reduce drastically the number of tobacco sales outlets in San Francisco. It will advance health justice and it will advance health equity in a very common sense way and it will put our city back on the map as one of the strong leaders in this country that supports youth empowerment but also healthier communities as well. So with that, let me ask if Supervisor Campos has any remarks before I um, 
look to the speakers that we have sure. on the list. Thank you very much, Supervisor Moore. I'll be very brief. I, I want to thank you for your leadership, your staff, uh, for all the work that's gone into this in this very broad community that has been pushing this issue forward. And I especially want to thank the young people for the very important role that they have played. And I also would like to be added as a co-sponsor. And uh, I think it's important for us to continue to, to be a leader when it comes to these issues. And it's especially gratifying to me uh, to see the role that young people are playing in, in, in making this issue a priority. And I'm very proud of you and very happy to be supportive of this effort. So with that, I'll just turn it over to you so that you, I know we have a number of speakers and um, so that we can hear from them. So the, the first is um, San Francisco City doctor, Dr. Tomas Aragon. Um, from our Department of Public Health and Susanna Hennessy Lavery, um, really the, the leader of a lot of these efforts within our Department of Public Health. <laughs> Thank you very much, Supervisors, and good afternoon. So I'm Susanna. Uh, I'm with the Department of Public Health, Population Health Division, and um, also staff to Healthy Retail SF. Um, as mentioned, our goal really is to reduce this disproportionate level of exposure to tobacco outlets in San Francisco. We know that the more exposure to tobacco outlets, the more at risk a community is for tobacco related health disparities and higher rates of smoking. So this legislation will minimize the exposure of tobacco outlets in all districts and create a level playing field. While the tobacco-related public health crisis affects all supervisorial districts, it's in San Francisco's interest to address this over-concentration of outlets in many of our neighborhoods. This sends a message of tacit approval. So think of a, for a minute of children walking through the Tenderloin um, in District 6 with hundreds of permits. That's more than three times the number of permits in the marina. It's as if society is saying it's okay to use these products if this is the norm. Social unacceptability has been repeatedly shown to be an important influence on both smoking rates and anti-smoking norms. And children and young people are particularly influenced by cues suggesting that smoking is acceptable. And this is not just a youth issue. All members of the community are affected. Other research shows that communities with lower socioeconomic status and higher tobacco density also have higher levels of individual smoking. And my colleague, Gary Way, will um, illustrate that. So this is really a health equity issue. It's for these reasons that the Institute of Medicine has called for the development, implementation, and evaluation of legal mechanisms for restructuring tobacco retail sales and restricting the number of tobacco outlets like we're doing today. So Supervisor Marr um, covered all the different elements of this formula to reduce density, the cap at 45 per district, that no new permits in a new location, the categories, and also the distance requirements. I just also wanted to add that the one-time permit will not only be made available for retail food stores that have been in existence for five years, but also to a child of an existing permit holder. Um, Finally, I, I also wanted to agree with the supervisor and mention that this effort recognizes the critical role played by our corner store owners in our communities. Uh, we've met repeatedly over the past six months with the Arab American Grocers Association to craft a formula that both addresses our public health goals as well as meet the needs of small business. As staff to Healthy Retail SF, which is a citywide program established through legislation by Supervisor Marr, we're working hard in partnership with community coalitions such as the Tenderloin Healthy Corner Store Coalition, CIFA, and YLI to assist corner store owners in becoming healthy retailers. 
We help them improve the physical environment with produce bins, refrigeration units, facade improvements. We help them strengthen their business operations and help them engage the community. We view this ordinance to reduce tobacco density as part of an overall comprehensive approach to strengthen community, support independent, small, family-run business in many cases, and promote the overall public health. Thank you very much. Thank you. Was Gary... Um, we also have Gary Way, also from the Department of Public Health. I can just use this projector. Oh, yeah, sure. All right, uh, good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Gary Way with the Tobacco Free Project. I've created a series of maps to further illustrate the disparity in the distribution of tobacco permits in San Francisco, as well as their effects on the prevalence of smoking. This first map, this first map shows the distribution of tobacco permits by supervisorial district. As you can see, certain districts are more heavily burdened with tobacco outlets than others. For instance, District, district 3 over here has 180 permits, while District 7 only has 37, as you mentioned earlier. Right. This next map shows the prevalence of smoking in San Francisco by zip codes. Uh, the darker zip codes indicate a higher prevalence of smoking. Um, you can also see that the darker areas are also associated with a higher density of tobacco permits. Uh, this isn't really a coincidence. Okay, um, this next map shows the socioeconomic status of San Francisco residents by supervisorial districts. Um, once again, the darker areas represent a higher percentage of residents that don't feel they can adequately cover their basic expenses. And once again, the darker areas are associated with a higher uh, density of tobacco permits. Right, uh, my next three maps will show the distribution of ethnic minority populations in San Francisco. The darker areas will indicate a higher number of an ethnic minority population. Um, so this first map shows Asian Americans in San Francisco. Areas such as the Excelsior and Chinatown, which have a high number of Asian Americans, also has a high number of tobacco permits. Uh, this next map shows African Americans. Now, areas like Western Edition and Hunters Point, which have a high number of African Americans, also has a high number of tobacco permits. This last map is Hispanic Latino populations in San Francisco. And an area like the Mission, you can see right here, also has a high number of Hispanic Latinos and a high number of tobacco permits. Um, right, we're good. We're good. So in conclusion, areas with low socioeconomic status and high ethnic minority populations are disproportionately burdened with tobacco outlets. Also, areas with high density of tobacco permits have a higher prevalence of smoking. And finally, tobacco permits are disproportionately distributed between the districts. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Mr. Wei. 
So, Mr. Chairman, I'd, I'd like to ask if we could now open this up for public comment. Okay. So the first public commenter is Karen Licavoli, the co-chair of our San Francisco Tobacco-Free Coalition. I'm going to call a number of other names to come forward, too. Dr. Lisa Henriksen um, from Stanford, um, Dr. Patricia McDaniel from UCSF, um, Patricia Barahona, the senior director of San Francisco programs from the Youth Leadership Institute, Jesus Sicaros from the Youth Leadership Institute, and Noel Knowles from John O'Connell High School, and Miriam Zazunas from the Arab American Grocers Association. It doesn't have to be in that order. And then I'll call um, the other cards that I have here. I would ask if we could limit it to two minutes per person. Right. Um, good afternoon. My name is Karen Licavoli. I'm with Breathe California. I'm also the co-chair at the San Francisco Tobacco-Free Coalition. So I think Gary laid out of, um, a lot, uh, made a good case for why tobacco density is an issue in San Francisco. So I think you've heard a little bit about there are about a thousand outlets in San Francisco that are licensed to sell tobacco in the city. Most of these are located, as you now are very well versed, in the low-income communities and communities of color and where large, larger populations of youth. That is about one retailer for every 111 youth. And that is compared to generally in California, which is about one outlet for every 254 youth. So right now, there are no limits to restrict or reduce tobacco, the number of tobacco outlet permits. This, mean, this basically means that anyone can get a permit or sell tobacco. Uh, tobacco use has a huge cost on the city, and we know that the money could be spent um, um, better elsewhere. The normalization of tobacco sales undermines our, all of our efforts. Um, and money that's spent on tobacco prevention. We can reduce these costs if we denormalize the use and sale of tobacco by limiting the number of stores in the, in the, in the city that sell tobacco. Currently, 11 other California jurisdictions have, ban, have um, permits that ban, um, lo that ban locations near schools and youth areas near, um, near each other and or have capped the number per population. Another eight California jurisdictions have also prohibited um, tobacco outlets or selling tobacco in restaurants. I just want to say we greatly appreciate um, your support and your leadership on this issue and walking the talk in protecting our vulnerable communities um, as well as actively listening to your youth. Thank you very much for your support. Thank you. Next speaker. If I, if I may ask the speakers to line up uh, to uh, our left, your right, uh, so that we can keep the, the number of speakers flowing. Thank you very much. Oh, I forgot to mention, I'm sorry, we have Dr. Tomas Aragon, the city's uh, physician from the Department of Public Health. Um, I will be very brief. Thank you so much for taking this issue on. My name is Dr. Tomas Aragon. I'm the health officer of San Francisco. Um, in the times I've presented here in the past, I've mentioned that I grew up in the, I was born and raised, grew up in the Mission District, so I've had the opportunity to sort of be the benefit of all the great public health work that the Board of Supervisors has, has done. And so this is actually a really, really important public health issue. The microenvironment that kids grow up in influences the decisions they make, the mental models they have, and ultimately impacts their health. This issue is so important that the Health Commission at the San Francisco Department of Public Health passed a resolution on May 15th, 2012, entitled Resolution to Support Setting Limits to the Number of Tobacco Retail Permits 
in all supervisorial districts in San Francisco. So I'm sure you already have this. That really documents the science and all the rationale for why we need to why we need to do this. And so I'm not going to I'm not going to go over all those details because I I'm, you, you, I'm sure you've heard a lot about the science. The, the, the thing that I really want to point out is that one, there's sort of three, three big issues. This is good public health. It's going to make a difference, and having grown up in the city, I want to tell you it's, it's going to make a difference. The, the, the second issue is going to be just the economic impact that this is going to have. It's going to have a positive economic impact. The less burden of disease that we have, we save money as a, we save money as a city. The healthier people have, the healthier the economy is. People want to come to a city that promotes and protects health. It's going to save us. It's going to save us. It's going to save us in the city a lot of money, and there's a huge economic impact on the city from tobacco-related diseases. And the last issue I want to mention is that this is also an equity issue. And I know you've already heard of these. You've already heard of this. That low socioeconomic and, and neighborhoods that have more ethnic minorities are more likely to be impacted by this. So to the extent that we protect their health. It's a health, equi health equity issue for us. And it's just a geographic equity issue across the supervisorial districts. So from my perspective on every dimension, this is the right thing to do. The San Francisco Department of Public Health and the Health Commission are totally behind you. And thank you so much for your public health uh, champion role that you have in protecting people like myself and my kids that still live in the city. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good afternoon. My name is Lisa Henriksen. I'm a tobacco control researcher from Stanford University School of Medicine. My interest in being here is to confirm that the proposed research is evidence-based, and I wanted to make three points uh, about what the research tells us. My first point, as you've heard, is that there's an oversupply of tobacco retailers, and this problem is most acute in areas of economic disadvantage. Um, that's true no matter how it's measured in the literature. So there are more tobacco retailers in areas with lower household medial, median income, more families living in poverty, and many other uh, measures of neighborhood deprivation. In my own work, we documented more tobacco retailers near California high schools with a higher proportion of students who received free or reduced price meals and a higher proportion of Latino students. Uh, at high schools, there was a higher proportion of students who were current smokers uh, with, at schools with five or more retailers within walking distance. This leads to my second point, that it, going to school or living in a neighborhood with a high concentration of tobacco retailers has serious consequences for adolescent, adolescent health and health inequities. Um, students are more likely to try to purchase tobacco, and in areas with a high concentration of tobacco retailers, illegal sales rates are higher. They're more likely to report being current smokers, and they're more likely to report frequent smoking. My third point is that clamping down on youth access is not a solution to this problem. In one study, adults in Houston who tried to quit smoking were more likely to relapse if they lived within a third of a mile of tobacco retailers. And here in the Bay Area, our research has found that persons with serious mental illness are more burdened by tobacco retailers, and those who live closest have the least confidence in quitting. So this problem affects adults, too. Thanks so much for your attention. Thank you, Dr. Henriksen. Next speaker. My name is Patricia McDaniel. I'm a researcher at the University of California, San Francisco, and my research explores voluntary decisions by retailers to discontinue tobacco sales. 
In California and elsewhere, independent pharmacies were among the first to give up tobacco. They were followed by local grocery store chains. In the Bay Area, there are at least four grocery store chains that have voluntarily stopped selling tobacco in the past 10 years. In my research in California, grocery store owners said that they stopped selling tobacco for health and business-related reasons, including a family history of tobacco-caused death and disease, um, declining tobacco sales, tobacco licensure requirements, or attempts by minors to purchase tobacco. Not selling tobacco was a way to avoid the hassles associated with tobacco sales and a way to avoid um, selling a deadly product. There were few complaints from customers after retailers stopped selling tobacco. In fact, some smokers were thankful because they thought it would now be easier for them to quit smoking. And non-smokers were pleased because they thought it sent a positive message to kids. California retailers that I spoke to reported no negative impact on their bottom line from stopping tobacco sales. Instead, they saw an improved public image because the decision made a statement to their customers that store owners were concerned about health. Retailers in other states pointed to some other advantages, including improved cash flow, the ability to replace tobacco with higher profit items. Um, in sum, my research suggests that there's a strong base of support among store owners and customers for tobacco-free retailers. Thank you. Thank you, Professor. Um, I'm going to call a few more names. I know I've called already Patricia Barahona, Jesus Sicaros, um, Norel Knowles, and Miriam Zazunas. I'm going to call several more. Amanda Tresich from Youth Leadership Institute, Malaysia Sanders from YLI, Avni Desai from Meta. Um, Commissioner Luisa Sicaros, um, Bob Lafrus from the Occidental Cigar Bar, um, Kathy Otto from the American Cancer Society, Brenda from YLI, and Fred Dejamko from the Healthy Corner Store Coalition. Patricia? Thank you so much, Supervisors. I want to say really quickly I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the young people that have been working on this tobacco density ordinance since 2008 that are in the room. I'd just like to give them a round of applause. The Youth Leadership Institute really works in community with youth leaders to really shape policies like these that are sustainable um, and that work and that create a long-term impact. Um, I want to say the Youth Leadership Institute has been funded by the Department of Public Health, who has made serious investments in public health um, and in partnering and really thinking about how youth development and how we tap into youth development and youth engagement to really create social change that's meaningful. The inevitable equation, this was something that leaders, uh, young people in 2008 um, developed. The, the idea around more outlets equals more access equals more disease and death. Um, I know that that's something that has been outlined throughout the presentation. Um, I do want to say really quickly that the, the outlets that we're talking about um, have been partners, um, have been uh, voices uh, um, and leaders really in shaping this policy to ensure that their voice was heard um, along the way. So I really want to acknowledge their leadership. Um, you've seen maps. Um, we hope that in 15, uh, 10 to 15 years, this policy is going to really impact these maps, and you're going to see dots that are spread out equitably across San Francisco. And thank you so much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna thank you for empowering and supporting young people's leadership um, with, with Avni as well. But thank you, Patricia. Hello. Thank you. Thank you, supervisors, for your time. Um, 
So this, uh, what these statistics are basically showing is uh, basically we've, what we've all been saying that neighborhoods with low income, high numbers of youth, and high numbers of people of color are being targeted by the tobacco industry. As you can see right here, the Soma and Tenderloin has 270 permits in their district in, and opposed to the Inner Sunset, which only has 37. And you can see that the, the household income is severely different. The one in the Soma has about 38,000, and the Inner Sunset has almost $100,000. You can clearly see that they're being targeted, and the, the other six districts are also highly impacted by these tobacco densities. The reason we're doing this is basically because we want to create health equity amongst the entire city of San Francisco. This isn't just a youth issue. This isn't just an adult issue. This affects everyone. It affects the city financially, health-wise, and it's just going to it's just going to improve everyone's health in San Francisco. Um and we will ensure health equity over the next 10 to 15 years through this policy. Um we did a survey in 2009 and in four different in four different neighborhoods and 83% supported the limits of tobacco selling in San Francisco and we had conducted another survey which also showed that 80% of people supported our policy, supported the gradual decrease of tobacco outlets and also they felt that Having, one, having numerous tobacco outlets on each block was too much. And the last one was just, we have over 900 endorsements of people supporting us, and we'd like to thank you, supervisors, for all your support and all your hard work. Jesus, you organized really an amazingly effective campaign, and just to have that much support is really a testament to the hard work that you've done. But thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Narelle, and I'm a part of TERF, and I support the policy that we're trying to pass right now. So basically, I live on Treasure Island. There's not really a lot of tobacco outlets there. But when I go to Summer, or when I go to Chinatown, or when I go to the Mission, places that I got my education from, I also have to see all these tobacco outlets. It makes me want to try it, and also not just me. It also makes my peers want to try it. And there's also, like kind of messed up because it actually shows, as you can see from the map, that it targets people of color youth and also LGBTQ, and that's also the people who catch the 14 line, which you could obviously see if you see the map, that you could see that it's targeting it by having it right there. So it really makes density problem, not just for, not just for me, but for everybody, and also I have asthma, and it's also a part of my family, and my family has to live in that. So it really makes us um, really unhealthy. Thank you, and I hope that you support our policy. Mr. Knowles, can you say what high school you're from and what grade you're in, too? Oh, I'm from John O'Connell, and I go to ninth grade, and Very I'm good. in ninth grade. Thank you. <laughs> Next speaker. Well, hi, uh, my name is Freddy Jamko, one of the food justice leader. Um, I'd like to introduce myself as food justice leader and um, community leader. Well, I'm also a nicotine dependent of the tobacco industrial sector. I have experienced smoking since I was 13 years old, and now about 30 years ago, I remember how easy to have access to get a cigarette in a retail store, which in my family would send me to buy a pack for them. This is how I started smoking and getting addicted to them is I became a chemical nicotine dependent. 
Now I'm personally suffering a heart and lungs condition in seven, and possibly I have a cancer and asthma. With this type of circumstance, I could become vegetable after getting a stroke and paralyzed and die quickly. Most of my family died this way. My chances are to perseverance to the rest of my life is to, to quit smoking cigarettes. In support of your illustration to eliminate the sale of cigarettes to the public, it would definitely would save a million of lives because the quantity and quality of the paid the price of smoking is not worth of dying. The price of smoking should be prohibited to humans' life. As we know, we are the victim of smoking cigarettes. Once we start, it's very addictive. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Next speaker. I, my father, he passed away 2008, 2008, almost 70 years from now. See, he spent 40 years smoking cigarettes. See, he was youth. Please understand. At those times, when my father was youth, all those Chinese people in China, Canton, they smoked cigarettes every night in the Chinese tea house restaurant with all the whole floor, smoke everywhere. See, that's the, the bad habit started. And my father, although quit, I know, he had worked two countries. He did, other some of the wives from his friends. For 10 years, the last was 10 years, quit smoking. Still, he got lung cancer. He died real bad. I, I, I feel so sorry about him. See? He's a very uh, good, good person. Fully loyal, faithful to this whole religion. See? Me and him, I'm after him. But he did die real bad because of this uh, uh, oxygen tank, everything. See, lie in the back, be able, and I'm going to move everywhere. So, hundred support, hundred percent care from other people. Totally bad, destructive. So, I, of course, because of him, all my five brothers and sisters, me and the eldest, and the two uh, uh, younger sisters and the younger brother, never smoked in their life. Never. All I have confess, I may play around with you know, on my hand, but never one puff of smoke in my, in my body. This is my father's you know, uh, bad image. Or sometimes maybe you know, some bad image could, could cause a good uh, other cycle of correction. But, uh. Thank you. Next speaker. Good afternoon. My name is Kathy Otto. I'm a legislator. Oh, Ms. Otto, pull the microphone closer. My name is Kathy Otto. I'm a volunteer legislative ambassador for the American Cancer Society, and I live in San Francisco. And um, Thank you for inviting me here. Uh, as Supervisor Marr mentioned, um, tobacco is the leading cause of preventable death. Low-income neighborhoods and those with people of color have a greater number of tobacco retailers in San Francisco. These neighborhoods also have a greater number of tobacco-related diseases. The tobacco industry markets heavily to youth and ethnic minorities. They've lost a lot of the adults. Reducing the density of retailers and prohibiting them uh, to be near schools will, over time, reduce the number of tobacco ads they will be exposed to and will reduce access to tobacco by youth. We all know if you make something inconvenient for people, they won't do it. And if you make it really convenient, it's very easy for them to do it. We know that the tobacco industry is well aware that most smokers start before age 18. Nearly 100% begin before age 26. I know this because 
I taught smoking cessation classes for the American Cancer Society for many years. When I asked the students their age when they started, it was 14 to 16, and they never stopped. And they were like 50, 60 for the first time trying to stop. Some of them had lung cancer by then. By reducing youth access to marketing, youth are less likely to start smoking. Nationwide, nearly one-third of illegal sales of tobacco to youth occur within a 1,000 feet of a school. Communities across the state have recognized the link between tobacco, retailers, and schools. We urge you to support the strongest possible amendment to the existing ordinance, and thank you very much. Thank you, Ms. Otto. I wanted to first say that the next three speakers um, have educated me so much on this issue, and they're the tremendous leadership that has created this policy that we hope will become law in San Francisco. I wanted to say, besides Jesus Sicaros, um, we're going to hear from Amanda Trescott, um, Malaysia Sanders, and Commissioner Luisa Siqueiros, and they're really the face of tobacco use reduction force and the creation of this policy. Amanda? Thank you, Supervisors. My name is Amanda Trescott. I am a TERF alumni and a current staff member at the Youth Leadership Institute. I'm here today to express my support for the proposed tobacco density policy. All San Francisco youth receive pretty much the same education about the harmful effects of tobacco use. Yet for some reason, the environment that they live in shows a reality that if your family is low income, it's okay to live in an area saturated with tobacco outlets, which far exceeds that of affluent communities, which are just mere miles away. And all that you learned in school about the harmful effects of tobacco use will only benefit affluent youth who don't have to walk past multiple tobacco outlets on their way to school or just walking down the street. This is a public health issue. This is a social justice issue. This is an issue where we need to practice what we preach when we're talking to young people about their health. Luckily, I believe that now more than ever, through our partnership with merchants, who also care deeply about youth and the communities of San Francisco, we can advocate together to make San Francisco a healthier place. Please support this policy. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Malaysia Sanders. I am representing the Bayview District and also the Youth Leadership Institute. I am a current uh, student at City College of San Francisco, um, and I've been working with the TERF policy and our team for over three years now, um, and we conducted a lot of research. Some of the research showed numbers of disproportionate permits around all districts, uh, mostly in the low-income neighborhoods, and um, they're targeting people of color and youth, and I think that this TERF policy is a positive move towards creating different numbers, um, lower numbers, and it's good for uh, the residents and also the business owners in these neighborhoods. Um, and I just wanted to say that um, small business uh, owners are our partners in this, and I do want to recognize that they have a, a, a big leadership role in the passing of this policy. Thank, Thank you, you, Ms. Sanders. Thank mm -hmm. you. Hello, um, supervisors. I'm really excited to be here. Actually, I couldn't even sleep last night um, because I was overly excited. And right now, the caffeine is not only talking, but the excitement. But I just want to be, I'm so grateful for all these people showing up, all my 
teams and the Arab American Grocery Association for partnering with us this year. I even wearing my old t-shirt from six years ago because we have been working on this for so long. It's something that we are very passionate about because tobacco has been an issue in our city for so long. And it's not fair that we continue to suffer with the effects of tobacco any longer. Our communities deserve better. We should be living in a healthier place where we get healthier options, where we can walk around without passing a bunch of smoke or a bunch of influences such as advertisement telling us to buy this. And it's just really not fair. We shouldn't be having more tobacco entering these communities. And right now I'm working at my path in mission, in the mission, and everywhere I go, tobacco, tobacco, tobacco. And it's not only targeting young people, like Patty had mentioned earlier, it's affecting everyone, people of color, low income, and the elderly, young people, everyone is affecting everyone. So this is a cause that we should all be working together. And I am so glad and so happy to see so many support again here, because this is an issue that we are taking matters in our own hands today. We went down and dirty to get our hands through for this work. And I think it is time for you guys to pass this. It's been too, too, too long, six years. And I really encourage you all to pass this today. And thank you, Supervisor Mar, for supporting us for so long also, and Supervisor Campos for always speaking up for us as well. I really appreciate every single one of you and all the other rest of the supervisors that have been helping us. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Supervisors. My name's Brenda, and I'm from the Russian Hill part of the city, and I've been a San Francisco resident my whole life. Um, I'm a youth advocate with the, with the turf program of YLI, and its goal is to limit the density of um, tobacco influence around the city. So I have a friend that lives in the Tenderloin, and um, block by block you can see like one, at least one, I guarantee, uh, tobacco outlet. And at a glimpse, it may not seem like a problem or an issue, but when you look at it a bit more in depth, you can see that tobacco outlets act as a gateway to tobacco for youth, you know, because ads of tobacco are constantly on display, and youth, along with many others, are exposed to such a problem. And in addition to this, uh, my friend's family is of low income, and as statistics show, tobacco density is greatest in neighborhoods where the incomes of families are lower. And so through TURF, a policy we're trying to pass is to cap the number of tobacco outlets at 45 per district. Uh, I hope you guys will support support or continue supporting us in getting this policy passed. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda. I'm going to call a few more names. Um, we have the director of our Office of Small Business, Regina Dickendrizi, um, Aneha from Youth Leadership Institute, Brian Davis, um, Selena Lucero from Horizons uh, Unlimited, Brian Stegner, um, Samara Witt from Youth Leadership, and Farad Karashi as well. And lastly, Jose Luis from um, TSF. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Samurai Bayena, and I live in District 8 or the Twin Peaks District of San Francisco. I'm a youth advocate for TERF, which is a program at YLI. I'm, starting, I'm standing before you here today to show my support for this policy and to ask for your support also. The neighborhood where I live, which is Noe Valley, and the neighborhood where my school is located, which is in Pacific Heights, there's barely any tobacco outlets, but only a few blocks away in the Tenderloin and the Venice area, there's a lot of tobacco outlets. Um, it's such a small distance, but a huge difference in tobacco density. And in some neighborhoods like the Haid and the Tenderloin, 
it's normal to see a lot of tobacco outlets and smokers, but in neighborhoods like Pacific Heights, it's not that normalized. And I think that's because of, partly because of the tobacco density and also because the tobacco companies target low-income communities, people of color, youth, and the LGBTQQ community. Um, I'm a least in two of those categories. I'm a person of color and I'm a youth, so I am literally being targeted by these tobacco companies, and I don't really think it's fair that I'm being targeted just for being who I am. And how many of you or the people you care about are targets? Thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, and thank you to Avni Desai also for supporting empowerment of young people. Thank you, Supervisor Marr. Good afternoon, Supervisor Marr, Supervisor Campos. Uh, again, my name is Avni Desai, and I'm a proud resident of the wonderful District 8 and work in the best district, District 9, and have extended family-owned businesses in District 6. I'm also the daughter of corner store owners who came to this country to provide a better quality of life for me and my sisters. In District 9, where I work for the Mission Economic Development Agency, there are over 2,900 families looking to do the same exact thing my parents did, provide a better quality of life for their children. When San Francisco's lower-income districts, such as District 6 and District 9, become inundated with tobacco in their communities, we are limiting these families and their children's ability to live a healthy life. The research is clear. Communities over-concentrated with tobacco influences have higher smoking rates, which then leads to higher rates of completely preventable diseases. Within 500 feet of my workplace, there are three tobacco retailers. Uh, the back half of this room is largely from the mission, and they'll probably tell you the same exact thing. So today, I thank you for standing with me and with Meta and protecting the well-being of our youth in our community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Good afternoon, supervisors. I'm uh, Bob LaFruce, one of the partners of the Oxnell uh, Scar Bar. Um, we've been in business for 16 years here in San Francisco, and uh, we've been working um, uh, when we need to, to uh, on different legislation. And I know we worked together in 2010, Supervisor Marr, but um, um, uh, we're generally supportive of, of this legislation. Um, there's just one uh, part. I got a phone call last night from uh, Regina from Small Business Administration uh, realizing that we would be impacted um and so i made gave email to your office this morning and uh, within an hour and a half nick uh called back uh i know doing a last minute um uh, amendments proposed amendments to legislation is not ideal and your office was very uh responsive and i appreciate uh the opportunity and uh so the only thing we ask for is if we can have the same uh proposed amendments that uh are provided for the tobacco shops and the retail. Uh, and so uh, I know that you guys are working on a version of that language, and we really appreciate it. And uh, the last thing I'd like to say is um, how impressive it is to uh, these kids, young adults, speaking uh, better than I am right now, uh, something they believe in, and it's very impressive. So thank you for your time. Thank you, and I'll, I'll make sure that Nick Pagalatos and I are talking with you right afterwards so that we can try to address the issues that you've raised. Very good. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I see Bob Davis, who's the, the um, who's been a tremendous, or Brian Davis, who's been a tremendous leader in the Tobacco Free Coalition as well. Thank you. Uh, good afternoon, Supervisor Marr, Supervisor Campos. Uh, yes, my name is Brian Davis. Uh, I'm here um, speaking. Uh, I may be the only one. I don't know. Speaking on behalf of the LGBT community in San Francisco today, in regards to this issue. Um, and I do live in San Francisco. Uh, I am concerned about the fact that the LGBT community does smoke 
uh, about twice as much as the general population here in San Francisco and in many other places. And that's because of homophobia. We all know that uh, most of us, uh, most of all of us uh, who start smoking, start smoking before we're 18. And that is the toughest time to grow up as a as an LGBT person. And, uh, and so anything that is out there that helps reduce the exposure uh, to uh, our community and all communities to tobacco uh, during that period of our lives and beyond when we are facing uh, greater stress as LGBT people and uh, more likelihood that we will turn to tobacco uh, as a means of relie relieving that stress would be extremely helpful. And so this legislation is wonderful legislation. Uh, by the way, um, if I'm not sure exactly what um, was being talked about by the last speaker, but I, I do, you know, certainly anything we can do to reduce the, uh, the availability of tobacco in the, the LGBT bars and other bars in San Francisco would be uh, extremely helpful. Uh, and so please work towards that as well. Uh, so thank you very much for your support and, uh, uh, and uh, we look forward to your, um, to seeing this become law here in San Francisco. Thank, thank you. you. Um, I saw that Miriam Zazunas from the Arab American Grocers Association has come here, and her name has already been called, so she should come forward if you can. Um, next speaker. Good afternoon, Supervisors Mar um, and Campos. My name is Selena Lucero, and I am a member of the San Francisco Prevention Coalition, as well as the program director at Horizons Unlimited for substance abuse prevention as well. But I think most importantly, I'm really here as a longstanding resident of San Francisco. Our, um, I don't want to date myself, but um, our family's been around um, in the Mission District for over 80 years, so this has been an issue um, of, of great importance to us. And I usually have a tendency to really want to focus on data and um, things like that, but I think that's already been kind of demonstrated here. I think what excites me the best um, or the most and really what resonates with me is that this is a wonderful opportunity to really address a social justice issue, as they mentioned. Um, it would be a huge victory and win um, for all the residents of San Francisco, so it's, you know, obviously in particular um, low-income communities and communities of color. Um, and I want to keep this a little bit light. Um, as a parent, for the most part, um, I have a 15-year-old son, and there currently is an educational campaign um, on TV that says Florida, which is known for its nightlife um, and partying and things like that, has drastically reduced um, teenage smoking rates. And there is a challenge to, that says, like, come on, states, what are you waiting for? And it's funny that my son says, you know, wouldn't that be cool if San Francisco was on the map? So I told him, I said, well, I'm coming to, you know, a hearing today, and I'll make that challenge. You know, I want to challenge the supervisors and the community to really pass this law and really ask, you know, come on, San Francisco, what are we really waiting for? We really got to do this. So thank you. Thank you. And Regina Dickens-Rizzi is the director of our Office of Small Business. Good afternoon, Supervisors. Uh, thank you, Supervisor Marr and Supervisor Campos. Um, the Small Business Commission is going to be hearing the item on Monday, so does not, I do not have an official response, but I thought it important to come and um, 
acknowledge, I think one of the key items in the original draft of the legislation that would, they would have raised was around the, the retention value of existing businesses. And so I did want to come and express my appreciation to you, your staff, and to the coalition for working with the Arab American grocers, and then also being sensitive to the last minute issue that I have um, brought forward. So I just wanted to acknowledge um, that we're addressing, I think, one of the key concerns the commission um, would have brought up and would have made a recommendation to, to change. So thank you. Thank you. I'm going to read a few more names. Emily from Mission SF, Stephen um, Lehman from Healthy Corner Store Coalition, um, um, Don from the Healthy Corner Store Coalition, Ryan Thayer, um, Abelisa Tiff, Bautakia and Anelia Sanidad. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Brian Stegner, a supporter of this proposition, and I live in the Excelsior District. I was a former member of the Tobacco Use Reduction Force when I was 17 years old, a junior in high school. I've been passionate about this proposition passing and taking effect the day I joined Wildlife. I was a hyper kid growing up who also had asthma. My wheezing would be triggered by my friends, family, or strangers smoking tobacco around me. And I have been hospitalized several times as a kid, and I could feel for the youth who also have asthma and feel discomfort in their basic health need of breathing when there is an abundant amount of tobacco in their environment. Thank you for listening. Let's take back our turf. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, Supervisors. Uh, my name is Fahad Karashi with the Youth Leadership Institute. First of all, I want to thank you all for your leadership on this issue. I'm actually part of the first unit in TURF um, that came out and, and six years ago uh, proposed the idea. And um, we had the idea of taking the TURF back, and, and thanks to your help, we're, we're even closer. And we'd really like to thank you. I'd like to thank you for framing this as a social justice issue, because at the end of the day, that's what it is. Obviously, there's a lot of health disparities um, associated with that, too, but it's really about addressing inequities in our community. Um, this is also a policy with national implications. As usual, San Francisco continues to lead the field, and we hope that this can continue, demonstrating the power of young people, the collaboration of community-based organizations, health organization, health experts, community residents, and, of course, store merchants. Thank you for sending a message to Big Tobacco. We'll no longer be targets. And thank you to all the youth in the room today, the generations of young people that made this happen. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing? Uh, Supervisor Mar Campos, thank you for having me. My name is Jose Luis Mejia, and I work with uh, Transitional Age Youth San Francisco, and I'm here to speak in full support um, of you passing this, this policy um, on behalf of TSF and our citywide TAE advisory board. But more, more importantly, I'm here to speak as a, as a San Francisco resident. I was born here in San, Fr in San Francisco's Mission District uh, and grew up in East Oakland and in, in the Excelsior, where I live now. And uh, to be honest with you, I'm one of those young people who grew up smoking very early. I ended up uh, starting to smoke when I was in uh, sixth grade. And uh, to be very straightforward with you, I'm, I'm still working on quitting now, you know. And uh, in the mission, like the data clearly shows, is one of the neighborhoods where it's very, very much uh, a dense amount of outlets there. And in the Excelsior where I reside now um, is a similar case. 
Uh, now I'm a father. I'm raising, uh, I have a five-year-old daughter, and I have an eight-month, or actually today, nine-month uh, old boy uh, who I'm raising in the Excelsior. And uh, we live on Mission Street, where a lot of these uh, outlets are located. And I really want to ensure that as I'm raising them here, as I want to, my hope is to continue to raise them here, that they don't have these attractions, they don't have these ads that are so heavily populated in, in our neighborhood that are targeting them. And I want to ensure that their reality is a different one than mine's was, um, and that those uh, things are not alluring them uh, like they did for me uh, very early on, starting in sixth grade. So thank you for your support. I want to really thank the Youth Leadership Institute and all these amazing young people and adult allies right here, um, because this is what it's all about, youth leadership, and they're exemplifying it. And thank you for also being their allies and standing with them. So thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mejia. Um, Miriam Zazunas has been a great leader of the Arab American Grocers Association, but thank you for helping us craft the legislation. Of course. Thank you, Supervisor Mara Campos. Um, I'm glad to be here today, uh, and I want to thank everyone, all the parties involved, Supervisor Mara's office and his legislators who sat down with us for hours, despite the lamb and the chicken. The negotiations were tough, and I'm really glad that we came to some some good compromises and a legislation that I'm really excited to see is driven by youth and youth leadership. And um, I'm a board member with the Arab American Grocers Association. I am the only young person on it. <laughs> They're all like my uncles. And um, <laughs> so it's, it's tough to fight for what you believe in in the city and what I believe in too. And we can't overlook that is small family businesses to survive and thrive in a changing landscape. I'm third generation of a store that's been in District 6 in the South of Market uh, neighborhood since 1967. So thank you for letting us as small businesses and stakeholders in San Francisco be a part of this work. Thank you. <laughs> Next speaker. Hi, my name is Emily Andrade, and I'm 17 years old, and I go to Woodside International, which is in the Sunset. And I've grown up in the Mission District my whole life. I've been born and raised there. And I can tell that there's a difference in the, like in the amount of tobacco outlets when I go to school and get back from school. And part of the reason that I'm here is um, I'm representing my path, which focuses on economic justice, and I think that there needs to be a more equitable amount of tobacco outlets in every district and also I see that I, like the effects that I see is like a lot of my older friends they all mostly smoke and, and like I've been exposed to a lot of secondhand smoke my whole life and also that's part of the reason why my 12 year old brother who's also lived and was born and raised in the mission district was like also has asthma now so thank you thank you so much um, Stephen Tennis is one of the leaders of the Healthy Corner Store Coalition, but thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, yes, my name is Stephen Tennis. Um, I started smoking when I was 15 years old, and I smoked for the next 25 years, and now for the last 26 years I've stopped, but I wish I had never started. But I'm um, not the rule, I'm the exception. Uh, I think any time that we can put a cap or to limit the sales of tobacco, I think that's fantastic. And hopefully this would be the first step in a long-range plan to reduce 
not just a cap, but to reduce the sales of tobacco. And finally, I'd just like to uh, thank all of the young adults here. I think they're doing a fantastic job, and they should be commended for all of their work, and hopefully you'll continue. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello. Thank you for having me. My name is Don Nunley. I'm a food justice leader of the Tenderloin. If we had less permits for stores, it would be easier for young people not to smoke and easier for me to quit. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to call the last cards I have. Jessica Estrada from the Healthy Retail Coalition. Um, Lorraine Floor from My Path. And Emily Andrade already spoke um, from my path. That those are the all the cards that I have. If there's anyone else that would like to speak, please come forward. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Nala Sanidad, and I'm here to represent the Baby District. And I'm with my project Bling, and Bling stands for Building Leaders and in Innovative New Giving. And we are here to support the Turf Campaign, and we believe in social justice. And we believe that so, that tobacco is a social justice is, issue that mainly targets low-income people, people of color, and most importantly, our youth. They are most vulnerable to the negative health impacts of the tobacco use. We say we want to make a change in our community, but we rarely see seeing any action. Where this is our first step to the action to make change. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is uh, Bensarki Abdelatif, and um, I'm a member of Blink. Um, I came here to um, represent as a uh, as a member or someone who lives in the San Francisco San Francisco community. Um, you know, I spend most of my time passing by the Tenderloin, and all I see is all these stores and all these unfortunate homeless people spending their lives like the rest of their life by that store, just buying cigarettes and just, you know, make, putting their lives just in waste. Like, imagine if this, if this, um, if this policy passed, it would encourage these homeless people and to, br to bring in better life for themselves and also to, for this, the, for the mission, for example, to, for the students and all the people and um, community livers to really um, to have a better life and better future for them. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to Ryan Thayer for helping to build a strong uh, food justice movement in the Tenderloin and throughout the city. Thank you. Um, yes, my name is Ryan Thayer. I'm an organizer in the Tenderloin and also coordinate um, the Tenderloin Healthy Corner Store of Coalition. First of all, I'd like to applaud um, both of you supervisors for being present, attentive, and championing social, issue, social justice issues that are found in our low-income communities of color, um, our youth communities, and really championing those issues. So I want to applaud you for that and taking in the lead on this ordinance. Um, when you look at the tobacco density map within the Tenderloin, it's really hard to distinguish um, the ethnicities and the 
poverty density because it's overran by um, tobacco retailers. Um, we have enough addictive substances that are found in the Tenderloin. It would be really interesting if there was a map that includes the other addictive substances that are found in there and how much of those block square footage would be covered by the sales of addicted substances. Um, through our work within the healthy corner stores and through the healthy retail programs, um, we found that by increasing access to healthy food products, um, we see a reduction in tobacco sales and alcohol sales. So we really need to focus on how, not just limiting, you know, what the negative influences are found in these stores, but how can we increase the access to um, community health? Um, it's really a big issue um, to promote those in these low-income communities, communities of color, within the communities of our youth. Um, so I really look forward to working um, with your offices and how can we address the issues that are found um, and we're moving people from San Francisco right, through um, community health, through displacement, through police brutality. Um, so I'm really looking forward to how we can make our San Francisco a healthier place for our people. Thank you. Thank you. Next speaker. Hello, my name is Lorena Flores. I reside in the Sunset District, and I work in the Mission District. Um, I have noticed that it's easier for youth to purchase tobacco products in the Mission compared to where I live, and I support this um, policy because I don't think it's right for youth to have access to, to purchasing tobacco products. And I, don't, I wouldn't want for anyone to inhale secondhand smoke. So thank you for your time. Thank you. And thanks also to Jessica Estrada for also leading many different coalitions in the city. Um, thank you. Um, my name is Jessica Estrada, and um, Ryan's normally the spokesperson type person. But thank you, um, Supervisor Mar and Campos, and I'm getting a call right now. Um, um, thank you again for all your work. Um, and so, again, I, my name is Jessica Estrada, and I work for the Healthy Retail SF program and also co-coordinate the Tenderloin Healthy Corner Store Coalition as well as I'm a District 6 resident and grew up in Sunset. So um, I strongly, strongly support this legislation. Um, there's a crazy, over, crazy, crazy over-concentration of tobacco outlets um, in the Tenderloin where I work, but also by my house in Soma. Um, you know, setting a limit on the number of tobacco permits in San Francisco, it just makes sense, especially where I live. Um, you don't need hundreds of tobacco outlets in such a small space, small area. Um, and I'm also happy to see that the model cap number of 45 is modeled after, you know, my home neighborhood of the sunset. So um, I also work every single day with um, small business owners with the Healthy Retail SF program, as well as the Tenderloin Healthy Corners or Coalition. And, and we've seen that um, positive food products like whole wheat bread, fruits and vegetables, different things can be economically viable as, you know, as a market. There are many markets in both in neighborhoods throughout the city that, um, are making money, and um, this the Healthy Retail SF program is um, a great resource for those stores um, that if they're if they want to shift their model, um, that you know the Healthy Retail SF program and also the coalition's efforts can be a resource and provide technical assistance for these store store owners um, to sell healthier and positive more positive things for the communities. Um, so I urge you supervisors to please um, support this legislation um, and other healthy retail, uh, healthy retail efforts in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Lena. Uh, I am here representing the Chinatown District. Uh, I've been living in Chinatown for about 14 years now, and um, I used to be part of TERV. 
uh, six years ago, and then after that, I started working with kids. Um, and what shocked me was that I had a few students, they're second graders, and they were pretending to, like, smoke with a pencil. And I asked them, what are you doing? And they said, oh, you know, everybody's smoking. Uh, it's cool. And it shouldn't, sh it shouldn't be, like, normal to smoke. And so I really support TERF for limiting the amount of tobacco stores uh, in our neighborhood, especially in Chinatown. There are so many, like, you cannot have, like, take five steps without having to dodge a smoke, uh, a cloud of smoke. So I really support this uh, campaign. This, uh, I hope this passes, and thank you. Thank you for the six years of work, too. Next speaker. Good afternoon, supervisors. My name is Joshua. Um, six years ago, I was once a member of the Tobacco Use Reduction Force. And today, six years later, um, I still currently live in the mission, and I still see the impact of tobacco in my neighborhood, and not a lot has changed. Um, the tobacco density is everywhere. Um, you could... You don't even have to, you don't even have, you could just walk down the street for yourself and see the influence of tobacco density in neighborhoods such as the Mission, the Bayview, and Tenderloin. And then you could just walk, or, and you get to take a bus ride down into like the Pacific Heights or the Marina and to see how, just how the density is a lot lower. And one of our facts that when we done our research that really stuck with me to this day is how I find it um, I find it uh, quite fascinating how in these neighborhoods that have the highest density of tobacco outlets there's the most density of people of color, low income uh, and um, and the places where the lowest density is, 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 is you have the more, we have more affluent people living there. And it's, it's, it's really, it doesn't, you don't need a, you could just see it. It's just like, you don't need like a, I don't know how to put it, but you don't need, it doesn't take much to, it's just right there in front of you. It's not like, it's, it's really not, it's right there, you know, and um that's why I'm full in support of the turf, uh, the turf uh, amendment. Thank you. Thank you so much. If, if there's anyone else that would like to speak, please come forward. Next speaker, Commissioner. Hello, Supervisors. I'm Jillian Wu, and I'm with Bling um, from YLI. I've come to express my support for this legislation. The amount of education I've got on tobacco and don't smoke has been mind-blowing, and yet so many people around me, family members, friends, just people on the street smoke, and it's always wondered me why. If everyone knows that it's bad for you to smoke, why are people doing it? It's because it's easy. For some people, it's easier to get your hand on a cigarette than it is to catch a bus. Um, tobacco, in particular, targets youth, low-income communities, people of color, and LGBTQ Q communities. Um, I've seen the map 
that they have of all the tobacco outlets in San Francisco and for some communities that there are so many tobacco stores that you can't even differentiate the different dots that represent the stores. It's just one big mass. I know that yesterday we actually at Bling we got a bit of a lesson from one of the TERF members about this legislation and one of the facts that stuck out to me was that the Tenderloin alone possesses about one-fourth of all the tobacco stores and if that and everything else has been said today by all these wonderful people doesn't move you to action I'm not sure what will so I thank you for your time and fully support this legislation thank you thank you Commissioner Wu So, Mr. Chairman, it looks like there's no other public comment. Thank you so much for hearing everyone. Great. Thank you. So public comment is closed, and I want to thank uh, everyone who has spoken, uh, and uh, especially the young people who I think have eloquently stated uh, why this is uh, a pretty easy call. And so with that, uh, Supervisor Marr, uh, we need a motion to move this item forward. Yeah, before I make the motion, let me just say all it sounds like tremendous number of neighborhoods represented, people of all ages, but especially the um, high school students to those that have been working on this for over six years and are now maybe not even youth anymore, um, and the transitional aged youth to others. But I just feel very positive about the small business input into this and everybody putting their heads together to make life better for our communities. Um, thanks so much, Department of Public Health, the researchers from uh, UCSF and Stanford, um, and the turf while I um, young people that had the vision of a healthier community for everyone to protect young people, to protect vulnerable communities, and to make a healthier San Francisco. So with that, I move that we support this legislation. And, and Supervisor Marr, I know that we want this to be voted upon as quickly as possible, so if we can include in the motion that it be sent as a committee report so that it can be voted on on the uh, December 9th yes. meeting. Mr. So, Mr. Chair, we're in receipt of a, an amendment, a potential amendment okay. from the city attorney's Okay, office. so before we do that, uh, there's an, um, a motion to amend. Uh, what, what specifically from a city attorney's office? Oh, I, I know. So there's um, some minor amendments that have been introduced that we have introduced today and there's some trailing legislation that we'll consider with um, um, with some of the testimony that came from the Office of Small Business and Mr. Bob LaFruce from the Occidental Cigar Bar but that will be trailing legislation that we'll work on in the future but the the amendments are um, not substantive that have been introduced today. So we have a number of technical amendments. So there is a motion to amend. Uh, Supervisor, uh, yes, uh, Deputy City Attorney John Gibner. De Deputy City Attorney John Gibner, just to, to uh, add on to Supervisor Mars' description, the, uh, some some of the speakers spoke today about an amendment to uh, essentially grandfather in. Uh, food retail establishments that have been in the same location for five years and uh, and then uh, transfer the the, um, the license to a new purchaser that is also part of the amendment that um, that that you would be adopting today as well as the amendment that was mentioned by one speaker to allow children of the owner of an establishment to obtain a new permit so we have a motion to amend along the lines that has been described. We can take that motion without objection, without objection. And then we have a motion to move this item forward as amended as a committee report. Uh, if we can take that without objection, without objection, the item passes unanimously and it will be voted on on December 9th. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. 
Mr. Clerk, do we have any other business before the committee? There's no more business, Mr. Wonderful. Chair. Thank you for coming. Meeting adjourned. Happy holidays.